Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine, and on today's show, we continue previewing New York Giants 2019 opponents, and today we talk about the Giants' favorite opponent, absolute favorite opponent and favorite fan base to deal with. We talk about the the Philadelphia Eagles, and here to uh, to help us break down the Eagles is Michael Kist, our good friend from BGN Radio and co-host of the Kist and Solak Show. So, Michael, how are you? How are things going? I'm doing well. I'm in, I'm enjoying the summer. Training camp is coming up, so you know it's exciting and it's also foreboding because it's a grind. But I can't wait for it to be here, man. Yep, easy street is over for those of us who who cover the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of lot of video game hours in. No, I mean film hours is is what I meant to say. No, no, Madden uh, the, hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some Red Dead Redemption. You know, I'm, I've been I've been relaxing. I've still been working, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing like the the grind that is the actual season. So as much as you can say you're working during the summer, what the season forces you to do is is wild. And in trying to keep up with it from week to week, with all the different big events that happen from week to week, is just it's it's pure madness. But I love it. I do too. But you know, summer. I mean, work work tends to include you know lots of lots of golf course breaks during yeah. the summer. But uh, but yeah. those those are rapidly coming to an end. So anyway, Michael, let's get right into this. And I, you know, I kidded, uh, I kidded you a little bit about Eagles fans, and you know, at the at the at the top here, and we know that Eagles fans and Giants fans don't always exactly you know, get along very well. Mm-hmm. But where would you put the Giants these days on the Eagles' rivalry scale? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's definitely the the Cowboys first right now and i mean you know they swept the eagles last year as as cowboys fans will be very quick to point out as my friend uh rj cho over at blocking the boys likes to point out all the time when we talk but after that you know the washington redskins they had a good run in the beginning of the season last year but ultimately they're being run by dan snyder and uh and bruce allen so they're not really a threat the Giants, just just for me historically, have always been a team that you always look forward to those games. I, I think with the way that the franchise for them has gone in the last few years, it's kind of dulled those things. But for the most part, I mean, the Giants were, have always been pretty competitive with Eli at quarterback with the exception of the last few years. So it's up there as far as rivalry goes. I look forward to those games. And lately it's it's been all Eagles, and hopefully it stays that way. So, I mean, if the Giants can kind of get their feet under them and maybe they can start, start to make a change in what to, that rebuild is is turning out for them, because let's be real, the Giants are in a rebuild, so it's a tricky time for them. But once that happens, maybe then maybe then they can climb up the list and just be way ahead of the Redskins. Well, we know that, uh, you know, I have to agree with you here. We know that, that the Giants have struggled, you know, the last few years. And, and I always say that, that you can't really have a rivalry unless both sides win once in a while. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why the Cowboys are up. You know, because they swept us last year, so it's, they have to be. They're a playoff team as well. I was just looking at the schedule, and it's one of those crazy NFL things where the Giants and Eagles don't play until Week 14 in Philly, and then they finish the season at MetLife. And I don't know about you. 
But I certainly hope that for both teams, there are things on the line in both of those games because I hate those those <laughs> end of the season games that should be rivalry games yeah. that, that that we've seen too much of the last few years that are just meaningless. Yeah, and it seems the way they stack the schedule lately, it's to help the division kind of decide itself by playing each other. But at the same time, you're right. Sometimes you get to late in the season and the games are kind of meaningless or just like one team is trying to play spoiler and, you know, you never know how that works out. But, yeah, I, I would I would rather them split it up, play one early, play one late. That's not the way it is. Hopefully the Giants are competitive in week four, week 14 and later on in the season to where, you know, they're, they're, there's a good show there. Um, and, and that would be big for the rivalry as well because that, that'll put some intrigue on it. Michael, you mentioned our good friend R.J. Ochoa over at Blogging the Boys who, who covers the Dallas Cowboys and does his own podcast about the Cowboys. And I talked to him a couple of weeks ago about the Cowboys and about the NFC East. And I think you're going to agree with this one statement that he made. You know, he said that he sees the NFC East as a two-horse race between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And I think you pretty much have to look at it that way until the Giants and Redskins, you know, prove that, that they can play at the top. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I really do. And I think the Redskins are kind of on a red shirt year where their expectations should be lower considering what's going on at the quarterback position there. The second year with Dwayne Haskins will really tell you a lot about that team and the roster. But yeah, I think it is a, a two horse race in the NFC East. Like you said, the Giants just have to prove that they can be winners. They haven't been able to do that lately. That may change. We don't know if that will by the way that things are going. And like I said, it's a rebuild. So again, you have to temper your expectations. I don't think it's this year. Uh, I think it really comes down to head-to-head -head games with the Cowboys. You never know what's going to happen during the season, injuries or, or whatever the case may be. But I really do think that that division is going to come down to Eagles and Cowboys and then also your divisional record. I wasn't really going to get into this, but but from from the outside, from from uh, you know from down in Philly, what is the thought on on what's going on with the Giants? You know, what do you see from the outside with the moves that Dave Gettleman's making, and, and thoughts on whether the Giants, you know, from from your vantage point, are actually making any progress? Yeah, I mean, if we're being realistic, and I don't want to be too negative against the Giants, like I said, you know, they're, they're, there's going to take some time for that rebuild to take hold. But from the outside, the way that people see it, they kind of see it as a bit of a laugh, a bit of a laughing stock, and the plan has been so weird because the the things that they're saying you know we, we didn't sign him to trade him with Odell and and just the way that they've gone about things passing on a quarterback and we can argue all day about if that was the right decision or not I think Saquon Barkley is an elite talent so it's not about him but yeah I, I think from the outside looking in people are going what are they what are they waiting for what are what are they doing uh some of the contracts that they've they've doled out the amount of dead money that they have to pay this year for players not even on the team uh with odell and vernon and whatnot they're just looking at it and going how where, where does this team win other than you know the the couple of breakout runs from saquon barkley that you can almost kind of bank on at this point from him where are they putting up the points where are they dangerous where's the pass rush you know the line's getting better which is nice and what's weird is I was becoming higher on the Giants as we moved into the offseason, and especially, you know, they, they had the Zeitler trade, which was great because that needed to happen. I thought the offensive line was getting better. I thought this was going to be an offense that, that could put up some points, and then they 
they trade Odell. And, and on the defensive side of the ball, I, I really like James Betcher. I think he's an underrated defensive mind. I think he did a lot with a little last year. I don't think they're doing enough to get him help on the defensive side of the ball to allow him to do what he wants to do. Now, they did draft a bunch of defensive backs, and I, I applaud them for that. That might take some time like it did with the Cowboys. You saw they draft a lot of young guys, and then in year two it started to hit, right? So it may be a two-year thing for the Giants as well. But, but what Betcher wants to do is blitz. He was in the top five for blitzes past three years. And then last year he comes in not able to blitz nearly as much. And I think that had a lot to do with the trust in the secondary. But there's the And again, where's the pass rush coming from? I think the returning sack leader is Kareem Martin, maybe, with five five and a half sacks, something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of confusion from the outside looking into the Giants. And there's going to be a lot of things that have to happen and hit for them. Ultimately, the biggest thing being Daniel Jones has to hit for that team to be successful long term. And we just we just don't know if that's the case yet. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to uh, to chuckle at the Giants. And, and from my perspective, I think part of the uh, the issue has been the way that Dave Gettleman has communicated some of the things that that he's yeah. done or intended to do because I don't mind a lot of the moves but I think that that the way that he's explained them or or not explained them certainly hasn't hasn't helped his case or hasn't helped the the mood of the fan base at all yeah and like his attitude is like we we want to win now which is which is great to say nobody is going to say we're a lose now team in a full rebuild that we don't expect to win any games no no gm can live like that you know what i mean like nobody tanks in the nfl cuz they're just going to lose their job but yeah I, I think the message has been very confusing from Gettleman as far as w- what's going on moving forward and even from from Shermer a little bit like is it a competition at quarterback is is it a legit competition we don't know so we'll we'll see how that pans out but uh, like you said it's been kind of confusing and it's even more confusing for the people outside looking in because they're not you know they're not boots on the ground they're not as close to it as you guys are all right michael let's take a really short break here for for a word from our sb nation sponsors then we'll come back and we'll uh, talk a whole lot more about the eagles all right giants fans i'm back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and I'm talking with Michael Kist of BGN Radio about the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael, before our break, we were actually talking a little bit about the Giants, and let's get back to talking specifically about the Eagles. What I want to ask you is, look, we're a few days away from training camp at this point. We've seen all of the, what Dave Gettleman calls the roster building season, all of the free agency moves, all of, you know, the draft picks, trades, all of that. The Eagles are a team with obvious Super Bowl aspirations. And as we head to training camp, coming off what you've seen in the offseason, are you optimistic or pessimistic regarding the the Eagles chances to get there yeah I don't think you can look around to any Eagles writer beat guy radio host or or whatever the case may be that doesn't have really high expectations for this team with the weapons that they put around Carson Wentz and, and of course Carson Wentz we all know the qualifier if he's healthy that's that's the biggest thing if Wentz is healthy for an entire season and plays at a, at a high level which we know he's capable of then there's zero reason that this team can't make a serious push 
into the playoffs and, and even with the injuries. I mean, last year, Football Outsiders had them as the 31st worst in terms of health for teams in the NFL, and they still came out won a playoff game. They were the only team to do that since Football Outsiders started tracking that going back you know, past the decade to be able to do that and pull that off. So that's something right there that tells you how good the coaching is because you can have a talented roster. You know, you could be the Dallas Cowboys, but if Jason Garrett is your coach, maybe you have to overcome some different things. I think it's a little bit different with, with Doug Peterson. So there's a lot of expectations on this team. If they fall short or they're like a one-and-done playoff team or they don't win the division, uh, depending on the context, I think this fan base and I think the media as well is going to be extremely frustrated. Maybe that's unfair. But that's just the reality that we're living in right now. Michael, I have to ask you, you, have, you probably have to be happy for Nick Foles, you know, getting paid and finding himself a starting job in Jacksonville. I mean, you mentioned Carson Wentz and his health. Is it fair at this point to call Carson Wentz injury prone? And just how much worry is there in Philly about his ability to make it through a full season? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to to call him injury prone. But here's the thing. I'm not a doctor, and saying the words injury prone doesn't mean he's going to get injured next year. It just means he's had some issues staying, staying healthy. And, and again, not a doctor. I can't predict the future. But that is the main worry. This season is all about Carson Wentz. There is no safety net there with Nick Foles anymore, and there couldn't be with the way that he got paid, and I'm extremely happy for him. I think he's a great human being. I loved hearing his press conferences. I think he's a real down-to-earth dude, um, so I, I think he's going to do just fine in Jacksonville. But yeah, with Carson, his backup now, Nate Sudfeld, who Philly media like loves. I think some people were calling him elite as far as the backup goes, and I'm not sure I want to go that far at all. So yeah, this is absolutely all on Carson Wentz's health. Um, I'm not 100% confident that he won't get injured throughout the season, and really it depends on the severity of the injury. Is he out a couple games? Is it three, four games? Is it another season-ending injury, which would be catastrophic? Um, I don't know. I'm also not going to approach the season, you know, holding my breath every time he takes a hit. Right now, He's healthy. He's got the brace off. He's moving around. Uh, his confidence level seems through the roof. He seems really relaxed for the first time in a couple of years. He's kind of got that that monkey off of his shoulder a little bit with with Foles out of the building. Um, and they had a great relationship. But at the same time, you can't. You're only human. You see this guy succeed where you should have been. And it's tough. It's tough for a young quarterback to get over. They're competitive dudes. So we'll, we'll see a lot about who Wentz is this season, not only from his mental space, but you know from a health perspective as well. All right. I have to ask you, I've been kind of holding on to this a little bit, but did you guys really have to go and acquire Deshaun Jackson <laughs> again and jab the Giants with that one one more time? Yeah. I, I love Deshaun, and I'm glad that he's back. I think the expectations on him with this production are a little bit high. There, there's there's only so many pieces of the pie to go around production-wise, but having that deep threat is something that the Eagles really covet. You know, they brought in Torrey Smith because he had the speed. They brought in Mike Wallace, which didn't work out because he got the injury, but he had the speed as well. Deshaun Jackson is that field-stretching element that they've really been looking for. I mean, they were looking into Robbie Anderson of the Jets and weren't able to get a trade done uh, before they ultimately moved on to, to go and Tate to bring him in to bring in another weapon but yeah the speed element is definitely something that they want and it's going to be super dangerous man I'm looking at those New York Giants safeties and they get Deshaun in the slot which is kind of where I want them to play him a little bit more and you get him screaming up the field on a safety that's a tough 
tough spot for him. And of course, we know about all the all the game enders from Deshaun. So there's a there might I I hope there's a play that's just this year that's just deja vu for them against the Giants. No offense, Ed. Oh, please don't put the uh, the, <laughs> the thought which you've already done. You've already put the thought of Deshaun Jackson flying up the field with Antoine Bethea trying to cover him. You know, 35-year-old version of Antoine Bethea. And I didn't need that picture, so thanks a lot for that. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing, man. You know, you get him on those reduced splits inside the numbers. You get him screaming up the field. The cornerback's got some different responsibilities, and he ends up on Antoine Bethea. I mean, that's a matchup that the Eagles should be salivating at, and a lot of different matchups that you can play around with him. And then you look outside of Deshaun, and you've got the you know the tall guys, Alshon Jeffrey. They just drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Zach Ertz is basically a slot receiver. He takes the majority of his snaps from the slot. And then Dallas Goddard is kind of a guy that can do it all. So they can play around with a lot of different matchups, not only with the speed, but with the size as well. So it's going to be a, a fascinating watch for the offense. They cannot sputter in the first quarter, first half of games like they did last year. I think that's going to be the point where if there is improvement from that offense, it has to come there. And then I think we'll see better red zone production uh, as well. They kind of regressed to the mean a little bit last year. I expect that to, to spike up a little bit more next year. All right, I guess I'll put these two questions sort of together since you mentioned our Sega White side. I was looking at the Eagles draft class, and there are only five picks The first three picks are all intriguing offensive players for me. Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle, Miles Sanders, the running back, and Arcega Whiteside, the wide receiver. And then in free agency, it looked like the Eagles went really heavily on defense. Did you like the approach that they took, you know, on both sides of the ball this offseason? And do you like the results of what they got done? Yeah, I, I do. And, and look, I, I wanted a, a younger third safety kind of heir apparent to either Malcolm Jenkins or Rodney McLeod, who kind of restructured his contract. I wanted one of those guys. I thought there was great value in that class. But even Howie Roseman said, like, look, we were looking at guys and Andre Dillard, the tackle from Washington State, starts to fall. So, you, I mean, nobody expected that. So you go up and, and get a move to get your future left tackle. I thought that was great. Uh, adding playmakers on the offense, uh, I'm always a fan of. And, of course, you know, Doug Peterson's an offensive head coach, and I'm sure he was pounding the table for his guys. So he got his help on offense. On, on defense, you know, one of the needs was adding in, in some depth that interior pass rush don't really know what's going on with Timmy Jernigan and his back. And I think Malik Jackson, despite maybe some deficiencies in run defense, uh, brings a really intriguing pass rushing element to that defense. It's going to help that rotation. And I like the cheaper options that they went with linebacker, which is a lower value position. They bring in LJ Fort, who I'm actually a big fan of from the Steelers, finally gets a chance to kind of carve out a starting role. They bring in Zach Brown, who is the Redskins' best linebacker last year. And and then, you know, Andrew Sandejo is that third safety, the veteran guy. He's an upgrade over Corey Graham. Uh, I like bringing back Darby to on a prove-it deal on the outside at corner there. There's a lot of young guys in that secondary, in that cornerback group. And if you get a couple, you know, a couple guys to just take a, a small step up, I think what you're working with is really nice. So I like not overpaying for a linebacker like a C.J. Mosley or, or anything like that or overpaying for a pass rusher when you can kind of uh, develop him and, and bring back Brandon Graham. So I thought they did enough on both sides of the ball to fill out the holes. They bring back Wisniewski at the guard position. Like You look at this roster, where 
are the holes in the starting 22. And then there's a ton of depth to be able to withstand injuries like they had last year. I mean, that's why they were able to be competitive last year. And I think they only got deeper. So I do like the way that this roster was built in the offseason. Oh, Michael, thank you very much for uh, for dropping some Eagles knowledge on us. We'll look forward to those games week 14 and, and week 17, and we'll hope that the Giants can put a dent or two in the Eagles' uh, Super Bowl plans along the way. So thank you again. Why don't you just let people know, Quickly, and where they can find your uh, where they can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter, where they can listen to BGN Radio, and all that good stuff. Yeah, and I appreciate the opportunity, Ed. It's always great to talk with you. And people can find me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. If you want to follow the BGN Radio feed, I get it. You're a Giants fan. You you might not love us, but we do have a lot of fans of outside teams that like the feed. Put in Bleeding Green Nation into any podcast app that you're using. The one you're using right now would be perfect. Follow BGN Radio at BGN underscore radio. Of course, all the written work is up at bleedinggreennation.com. Yeah, and of course, we uh, we always love the perspective of, of Eagles fans. And we, you know, back and forth at Big Blue View, we, we just love it when Eagles fans drop by. <laughs> the comment sections are always great when you see the influx from a rival fan base you know it's you know it's going down <laughs> yeah that's like whether it's whether it's eagles fans or cowboys fans or whoever yeah. it's always like all right everybody red alert let's get in there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you could tell when when reddit found your stuff too because then you get all the reddit users come in to, to come and comment and it's just it's it's a bonanza i really do enjoy the fact that sb nation has that comment section there and it's they really are like small communities and when they clash it's it's pretty amazing i love the back and forth until it until it crosses until it crosses that line of being just being rude and and juvenile are are you saying that the commenters aren't always well behaved (laughs) i don't believe uh after after 12 years i i think i finally learned that yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a madhouse there, but we love it. We and we love we love all the listeners and the people that read our stuff. Giants, Eagles fans, Cowboys fans, all of them. We appreciate the support, obviously. All right, Michael, thank you, and Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye bye now. <laughs>